He will gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Exhorting them in many other ways, he preached the good news to the people. I don't know about you, but that's shocking to modern ears. He's just preached judgment, possible condemnation, and he's calling it the good news to the people. That's so shocking to modern ears, so shocking to those who are living in the church of nice, that John is actually potentially calling out condemnation. And yet, three things are to be noted here. First of all, he's preaching repentance to all other people so that they can be saved. Secondly, he's calling on them to walk in righteousness. They have to be doing the deeds of righteousness. He's invited all of them to do that. And finally, he says, there's going to be a judgment by fire. The Holy Spirit and with fire. So those three things are absolutely critical. So he's calling on them to repent. Ultimately, he wants to do deeds of justice and righteousness. And then finally, there comes judgment. So if we're living in preparation for all of this, we'll rejoice no matter what happens to us. A priest of friend of mine was writing that the other day, he was driving along and all of a sudden, out of the bushes, a rabbit darted. And he ran over the rabbit, just like that. And he says, you know, tragic for the rabbit, not ultimately greatly significant. The rabbit doesn't have an immortal soul. And yet each one of us does have an immortal soul. And each one of us at some moment in life will face death, perhaps utterly, unexpectedly, like that little rabbit. And if the last thing that we see is that tire coming over us, if the last thing that we see is that we're gone, if the last thing we see is that we are now standing before the Lord, covered in our mortal sins, not having had a chance to repent, that won't be good. John is preparing us, wanting all of us to be repentant, to acknowledge our sins, humble ourselves, receive the forgiveness of God, so that when that last moment comes, expected or unexpected, we will be ready for the Lord. It's that critical that we should do so. Because we don't know the day or the hour. It could come as quick as anything like that rabbit. It might come in just a couple of weeks. You might find yourself all of a sudden coming sick. The next thing you know, you're in the hospital. And two weeks from now, you're gone. It can happen just that fast. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you repentant of all of your sins? So that's the first step. So we got to look at this question of repentance, righteous deeds, and then judgment. Nobody knows the hour. Are we ready? So let's look at that repentance. Jesus will come to judge all of our actions. But every action, every sinful action that you and I have humbled ourselves and confessed will never be brought up again, no matter what. And so you and I need to humble ourselves. We confess all of our mortal sins. This week, by the way, we happen to have our parish penance service. There's going to be six priests here, possibly seven. And that'll be this Tuesday night from 6.30 to 8.30. And this is a chance to come and lay it all bare. Lay it all, have it all washed clean. Things that you perhaps did even in your youth that remain unconfessed. Things you weren't sure were wrong, kind of thought they were wrong, didn't want to say it. Maybe it's too shameful. This is the time to come and be rid of it all. So that when we stand before the Lord, at that last moment, you and I know that we are washed clean, where sins are forgiven, everything is gone, and you'll never surprise the priest. You might actually find the priest totally edified by the transparency of your confession. And this is a humble thing for priests. It helps us to make better confessions ourselves. It's a moment for rejoicing. And God wants to wash away all of our sins. Nobody knows the last day. Nobody knows the last chance to say we're sorry. But if all of a sudden we're gone, 
and we're standing before the Lord, it's too late to change your mind. The last chance to change our minds is in the body, body and soul acting together. It's the last chance to repent of our sins. The moment we stand before the Lord, it's too late. And so you and I have this chance, this day, this time, this moment to humble ourselves and confess our sins. This is part of the rejoicing that leads to, to noble, noble sentiments. That's what we want to be doing. That's, that's our upright life. So this is your chance now to get to confession and see things the way God sees them. Not the way the world sees them. Not the way that Vogue magazine or any other magazine or any other, any other educator who's leading people into darkness. No, no, no. How does God see our lives? How does God see our actions? We humble ourselves, confess our sins. And when you walk out of confession, there's a bounce in your step. Those sins are gone, never to be brought up again, never remembered. He remembers our sins no more. So that's a great, great mercy. So again, John the Baptist is preparing the people for the Lord. He needs them to humble themselves, needs them to confess their sins. Remember, he challenged the Pharisees. They, they pretended to repent. They weren't really sorry for this and didn't really dig down in deep. He called them hypocrites. He called them whitewashed sepulchers. They weren't serious about the repentance. But if we're serious... If we humble ourselves, if we confess our sins, God wipes them away and remembers our sins no more. So that's wonderful. Now, the church also has another enormous blessing, and that's the anointing of the sick and the apostolic pardon. Now, we can be anointed for any serious illness, particularly life-threatening illnesses. It could be old age, but it it could be any life-threatening illness. If you have a major surgery, you should be anointed. It gives us strength in time of, of fear, a time when we're concerned about our very existence in the body. We know that we may be passing from this world. If doesn't, everything doesn't go well in the surgery, we could be on our way out. So we want to be anointed before a surgery. So you confess your sins, and then you receive the sacrament of anointing. But in the hospital, even unconscious, the church has said that everyone, every Catholic, has the intention to receive the sacraments. And that means that the sacrament of anointing will forgive sins even if you're unconscious. This is a great grace. This belongs to all of the Catholics. It's a privilege of our church. It's a privilege of the faith that all of your sins will be washed away. You can't count on that. I mean, the idea that, that the priest is going to find you in the hospital. It could be that nobody will even be telling the priest to come and anoint you. You could be dying without the sacraments. But should you receive that sacrament, it's the full forgiveness of sins. One time I was called to the hospital. I was, I was back at the cathedral and we were on call for United Hospitals and I got called in the middle of the night. I was called down to some man who was dying, you know, and you, you hear the phone ring and you, you leap out of bed. You're still not sure who you are and where you're going, but there you are. You've been startled into awakeness like that and throw on your clothes. And I went down there and you park the car and you, you go down the elevator and you walk underneath the tunnel and come back up to the, and you get down to this hallway. And there was a whole pile of people spilling out of this room, the 3400 section of United Hospital. And in I charged like that, you know, and all the people were there. And I anointed this poor guy and, and he received the forgiveness of his sins. And they, and somebody says, after I finished, they said, geez, father, that was really nice. Joe's not even Catholic. <laughs> well, as it turns out, that guy, received the forgiveness of sins in the anointing of the sick. He received that great grace. Probably somebody praying for him. The guy I was supposed to anoint was across the hall and nobody was there. They both got forgiveness of sins. That's the power of this sacrament, the washing away of all of our sins. And the apostolic pardon, even more. On the deathbed, the priest is allowed to give the apostolic pardon. It comes from the apostolic see, the, the church of Rome, that if you're properly disposed... 
and not everybody's properly disposed. The apostolic pardon wipes away even temporal punishment due to sins. In other words, that's the effect of our sins. Remember, all of our sins have two types of punishment attached to them. Now, you probably know this, but I'll just refresh your memory. Eternal punishment would be separation from God. That's the ultimate effect of offending God. But our sins also affect our neighbor. They offend our neighbor, so that's called temporal punishment. And that means that when we've disturbed the balance of justice, we're in some sense responsible for restoring it. Now, you know, you, you, you throw a baseball and you knock it through your neighbor's window. You can go over and say, I'm sorry. He can say, I forgive you. That doesn't fix the window. There's still a, a, a duty to repair what was destroyed. Kids who perhaps, let's just say kids who are shoplifting, and, and they make friends who are also shoplifters, and they teach them the trade. Well, then the, the boy goes and confesses his sins, and he's sorry for his sins, but the trail of his sin goes on with all those that he taught how to shoplift. So the effect of our sins can march on. That's the temporal punishment due to sins. And you and I have a, a responsibility to begin to undo the effects of our sins. God helps us, but part of that is ours. That's why we call temporal punishment. And tempus tempore, the Latin words, mean time and place. So we have a certain responsibility. But if one would receive this apostolic pardon, and you have to be in the disposition of, of perfect charity, no attachment to your sins, you're ready, you're ready for the Lord, that apostolic pardon wipes away even the temporal punishment for sin, you'd be going straight to heaven. Short of that, we still have to be purified in the next life. So being ready for the Lord is a big deal. It includes confession, but it also means there has to be this deep repentance, this deep sorrow and to, to undo the effects of our sins. That's why we pray. That's why we do penance. That's, that's why Jesus says, he says charity. And in fact, he says almsgiving covers a multitude of sins. So it's a good thing that we should do that. So again, the forgiveness of sins, the wiping away of all of our sins. Another time I was in a, a nursing home and this was a, a an unfortunate little a nursing home that wasn't well kept at all. And I was in this upper floor. I was there and I was anointing some people on this upper floor where they were much more disabled. And, and this one little old man I'm anointing, he looks up from this chair and he's leaning back and he smiles at me and he says, I'm a priest. I thought, wow, he's a priest. And I had anointed him and I'd given him the apostolic pardon. Turns out he died two weeks later. That guy was ordained to the priesthood in the early 1950s and ran into bipolar issues and was out of the priesthood by the late 1950s. I checked with some old-timers who knew of him. And that little old man in that hospital, that, that nursing home, died with the sacraments, died with the forgiveness of his sins, died with the apostolic part. That's the mercy and the goodness of our God. So you and I have to be those people who are deeply repentant. That's the first message of John the Baptist. Second message is deeds of righteousness. Notice how he calls on everyone. What are we to do? And they said, the man who has, who has food should share with those who have no food. Who have, those who have two cloaks should share with those who have none. To the tax collectors, he says, stop collecting more than prescribed. That's a righteousness he's calling us to. To the soldiers, he says, don't practice extortion. Don't falsely accuse anyone. Be satisfied with your wages. These are deeds of righteousness. So I would ask you, first of all, what deeds of righteousness could you do today. Is there somebody in your life that you should show love to, merciful love to? Is there somebody you should share that cloak with? Is there somebody that you could be feeding? Is there somebody that you need to be reconciled to? What can you do? Not someday, not, not in a, on a better day. Today. What can you do to do the deeds of righteousness to be united to Christ, to show that charity, to show that great love? And ultimately then we're going to be standing before the Lord, baptized in the Holy Spirit, receiving all of his gifts. 
These are the things that you and I can do. That's what leads to rejoicing. The forgiveness of our sins, walking in his ways, knowing that we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, know that we're ready to meet the Lord at Christmas or whenever he should come. So again, open your hearts to the Lord. Rejoice in his salvation.